Welcome to the Second Students North podcast. My name is Luis. We're currently in a series called Sus Faith, where we're taking a look at some detrimental beliefs that disguise themselves as true faith. We pray that as you go through this series, that God would speak directly to you. We hope you enjoy week one. We're here today um, to begin this live series and we're calling it Sus Faith. Uh, And we were told that we're like a year behind to the word sus. So forgive us, we planned these like a year ago. Um, But Urban Dictionary, be careful when you get on that website, don't just go out there. But what Urban Dictionary says, uh, sus is defined as is this. It is used when a person or a thing is not to be trusted. Okay, so what we're saying is, I'm not saying that our faith is sus and that faith is sus, but the thing we're talking about here uh, is that there have been things, there are things that have crept into some of our faith uh, that is not to be trusted. And that's what we're gonna talk about in this series over the next three weeks. And so tonight, that thing, we're talking about different things, but tonight that thing is, we're calling it build a Bible, hence the game that we played. Uh, maybe that doesn't make any sense to you, but what it means is, there's become this trend, uh, and it's not even super recent, but it's just happening a lot right now, where people decide that they want parts of the Bible, but they don't want all of the Bible. There's parts of it that I like, uh, there's parts of it that make me feel good, there's parts of it that comfort me, and then there's parts of it that I don't really like. I don't agree with it, it makes me uncomfortable, and so I don't like those things. And there's become, this thing is creeping into our faith where we just build a Bible. We just decide, this is the part I want, and this is the part I don't want, Uh, and that's not cool. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, And maybe you think that's not any part of your life, maybe you know it is, and maybe you don't realize that it is, or realize that it's a problem. So we're gonna talk about that tonight. And so as I started to think about this, um, I've heard, this from people like you. These are all things that I've heard students say. Like, I'm not making these things up. I have heard, since I've been here, students say things like this. I just don't agree that that's what the Bible says about homosexuality. I just can't believe that that's what God says. I don't agree that that's what the Bible means when it says this. God would just want me to be happy and have fun, and so he can't not want me to do this thing that lets me have fun. I just don't agree that's what the Bible says, or I know God probably says I shouldn't do this, but I know he'll forgive me anyways. And all those things are really tricky things to fall into, and maybe you've said those things, maybe you've thought those things, or maybe you know people who have said those things, but I promise you they're a part of our culture. Uh, And so as I was doing this, um, as I was thinking about this, I did some research uh, on this, where the Bible is at. Uh, because if maybe you think this isn't a problem, I'm gonna prove to you that it is. So there's this company called the American Bible Society and they put out every single year this giant research thing called the State of the Bible. Maybe you've heard of like the State of the Union Address where we like address the state of our union every year. Well, this is the State of the Bible. Uh, and they put out all this research where they poll Americans on how they feel about the Bible and they share it. Um, And so I'm gonna share a couple things with you that were really scary for me to find out, but they're literally from 2022. Like, so from the beginning of this year, this is how Americans say they feel about the Bible. And it blew my mind. So this first thing, don't put it up there yet, but this first graph I'm gonna show you uh, is the percentage of Americans that would call themselves Bible users. And what that means is they literally would say they've opened the Bible outside of church three or four times in one whole year. That's what qualifies as a Bible user, okay? So we can put the graph up there, that first graph. 
there it is. Adult Bible users in America over time. So you notice the bar starts in 2011 and then look until 2021, it's about 50%. Like it gives and takes a little bit, but over the past decade, 10 years, approximately half of America has said, yes, I would call myself a Bible user, which means I open the Bible three to four times per year outside of church. But then notice what happened from last year, December 2021 to now, less than one year ago, 11% of Americans decided they weren't Bible users anymore, which means 26 million Americans no longer identified themselves as Bible users. Like think about $26 million and all that you could do with that. Well, like 26 million Americans decided just this year, not over the past decade, but just since December, that they aren't Bible users anymore. And that's wild. And that's just to show you that the American perception of the Bible is changing quickly. It is changing so, so quickly. And so we have to be careful or else we will start to fall in with the culture because of how quickly it's changing and we won't recognize it. The next thing, the things kind of get scarier as we go. So the next thing is there's two statements that we're gonna put up on the screen next to each other. I'll read them to you. The one on the left says, that the Bible is the inspired word of God and has no errors. And the other one is that the Bible is just another book of teachings written by people that contain stories and advice. So maybe you know people who would land in either one of these camps, but think about yourself. Do I identify that the Bible is the inspired word of God and there's no errors? Or do I think the Bible is just another book of teachings and has good advice and stories, but it's not the inspired word of God and there may be errors in it. Think about where you land, where the people around you land. What's crazy is, sorry, I'm getting choked up, just kidding. Uh, what's crazy is that as people, they pulled people by generations, okay? So you guys know that you're a part of Gen X. I mean, you're not Gen X. Gen Z, you guys know you're a part of Gen Z. If you didn't, you are, okay? Uh, and then the generation above you is the millennials, right? That's people ages 26 to 41, okay? And then you guys all fall under Gen Z. Okay, so every single generation, including yours, picked the Bible is the inspired word of God and has no errors except for millennials. Millennials did not pick that one. They picked this one. Millennials picked that the Bible is just another book of teachings uh, that contains advice written by people and has stories. And why do I tell you that if you guys aren't millennials? Well, it's because the people who influence you are millennials. And so the good news is that your generation isn't there yet. I say your generation when technically Gen Z is people ages 25 and below and I am age 25 and I am in denial that I'm a part of Gen Z, but I am. So when I say your generation, that's really me denying that I am also a part of your generation. Uh, so our generation, you guys, still believes that the Bible is the inspired word of God, but the generation influencing us does not. And because of how quickly our world is running away from the Bible, if we are not careful, it's gonna creep into what we believe about the Bible, okay? So just to give you a few examples so that you understand how much millennials have influence over our life, I'm gonna show you some people that you may not realize are millennials, but are, okay? So first human, say his name if you know it. First picture. Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber we know him. Does anybody know how old he is? He's 28, I don't know if anybody said that. I feel like somebody over here did, which means he qualifies as a millennial. Okay, next person, I don't know his name in real life, but I know his name on TV. I know, okay, listen, listen, listen. I don't know his real name, but John B. He, in the 
TV show is a high school student, which would mean he would fall under Gen Z. No, homeboy's 29. Like, he's not a high school student, he's 29, he's a millennial, okay? Next person, you might not, you probably know this person, Mark Zuckerberg. The Facebook guy, the meta guy. The, John Cena, the guy that controls, this guy controls everything that happens on your phone. Like, not him personally, he's not like manipulating each of your individual phones. Here we go. But Mark Zuckerberg has so much influence over what happens on your phone. And Mark Zuckerberg's 38, which means he's a millennial. And the last person I'm gonna show you is this girl. I know, I know, I know. Okay, Taylor Swift, she is 32. I show you those people because, hear me out. I know that I, I can't, I'm not standing up here to tell you that all of those people as millennials say that they don't believe in the Bible. Like, I don't know what they all believe, but I show you those to say that we don't realize that all of the people influencing the world right now are millennials. Like your teachers, probably most of your parents, uh, millennials are the generation of people that are influencing the world right now and they no longer believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And so you guys, we, me as a Gen Zer, we have to be on guard or else this is gonna creep into what we believe and change what we believe about the Bible. The last thing I'm gonna show you is possibly the scariest. This is the last statistic. You can go ahead and put that bar graph up there. Okay, this is a lot going on, but what you need to know is the blue bar, that top blue bar is Gen Z us, you guys, and then it gets older as it goes down. So the next bar is millennials, then Gen X, yada, yada, yada. And so what, what we're gonna notice from this is most all generations say the reasons that they use the Bible is that it brings me closer to God. That is good. The Bible brings me closer to God. Nothing wrong with that, okay? Notice the second thing that Gen Z, our slash your generation says, is they go to the Bible when they need comfort. Again, not a bad thing. 24% of people your age, our age says, they go to the Bible when they need comfort. The thing that appalled me when I looked at this was notice what Gen Z voted for 1% of the time. They said 1% of the time it helps me discern God's will for my life. And this is the reason that we're here tonight to talk about this build a Bible problem, is that when I look at that, that tells me that what's happened to how we view the Bible is, I go to it when I need comfort and when I wanna feel close to God, but when it comes to like God telling me his will for my life and when it comes to God telling me how I should live my life, I don't use the Bible for that. I don't want the Bible for that. I don't want God to tell me what to do with my life. I just, it's this, it's this tool I use, it's on my shelf when I'm having a really bad day and I need comfort, let me go get it and let me use it for what I want and I'll get comfort from it. Not a bad thing, but that's, if that's only what we use it for and we aren't just putting ourselves under God's word to discern his will for our life, then we're missing it. And that's what's happened. And I think that's what has happened to our generation and what we have to go the opposite way against is we've just decided, I need something from God, so I'm gonna go to him. I'm gonna pick the parts of the Bible that bring me comfort. I'm gonna use the little thing at the back that tells me what to do when I'm anxious. And those are the only parts of the Bible I'm gonna use. I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna build a Bible out of the things I like, and I'm gonna ignore the things I don't. So I'm done with statistics, you guys. Thanks for following along with me. Um, but what we're gonna move into now is what God says about this, what God's word says about this, because what's crazy is God predicted this would happen and he knew this would happen. He's not surprised that our people, that the world are turning away from his word and he told us it would happen, he's gonna tell us what to do about it. So 2 Corinthians 11 is the first 
scripture we're gonna be in. We're gonna read verses three and four. Follow with me on the screen. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. You guys, this is a guy named Paul who's writing to a church in the first century. We are in the 22nd century, I think. This is a guy writing in the first century to Christians and he said, there's people out there that are teaching a different Jesus than we believe. And I'm afraid that they're gonna corrupt you from a pure and undivided devotion to Jesus. So this is not a new thing, um, but the Bible does give us the remedy, okay? So what, what are you called to? You're called to what it says, a pure, an undivided devotion to Christ. There are gonna be people who preach a different Jesus that say, no, Jesus wouldn't want that for you. Jesus would want you to have fun because he made you to have fun. God made you for joy, right? Well, Jesus, Jesus wouldn't want that for you. Jesus wouldn't want you to become a mom if you don't wanna become a mom. Like Jesus wouldn't want, the people are gonna tell you a different Jesus than the one that was actually preached. And so what we're called to instead is a pure and undivided devotion to Christ. So what that looks like is you follow him completely whether what he asks you to do is what you want to do or not. It looks like you're devoted to him in more moments than just the times when you really need his comfort. And it means that you obey his will for your life whenever it's completely uncool and it's not what everybody else is doing. Because here's why it's a problem for us to pick and choose the moments that we like the Bible. Because either this verse, I'm gonna read 2 Timothy. <clears throat> either 2 Timothy 3.16 is true or it isn't. Either the Bible's trustworthy or it isn't, because if you've decided that just one little bitty part isn't true, then none of it can be true. So we're gonna read this real quick. 2 Timothy 3, 16 says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So God, God didn't give us scripture just to bring us comfort. He gave it to us to do this to teach us what is wrong in our lives, to help us to do what is right. And so either God's word is for that, or it's just not trustworthy and it's not true. Because if you've decided that I like part of it, but I don't like the other, then you're putting yourself in a seat higher than God. You're saying, no God, I actually know what's true. I actually know what's best for me. And so I'm gonna pick the parts of this that I like and get rid of the parts that I don't. Well, then you're really telling him that you don't need him at all. You don't need him to tell you his will. You don't need him to tell you what's good. And then none of it might as well be true. You can't just have part of it and not have all of it. Because we like to believe parts like that he unconditionally forgives us. That all the time he'll forgive me no matter what I do. I like to believe that part because I mess up a lot. So it's really helpful for me to believe that God will unconditionally forgive me. But when it comes to when God tells me not to obey my flesh, when it tells, comes to telling me to do things that are uncomfortable or to give up the things that I really like, I don't like those parts. But let me tell you, all you're doing then is you're just abusing God's forgiveness. If all you're doing is picking the parts of Bible that you like and you say, God, I'm gonna use your forgiveness but I'm not gonna listen to anything else, then you're just abusing him. And he's about more than that. I asked a couple of uh, you guys, what you thought the problem with this was. And here's a couple of things I heard. That when you do that, when you only need his forgiveness, you don't listen to anything else. This is what a couple of people said. They said, you're missing out on the fullness of God. You're missing out on everything else he has to offer. You're missing out on peace. 
This is what somebody else said. When I'm in the world, I don't have any peace, but when I'm with Jesus, I do have peace. Somebody else said, you're missing out on complete satisfaction because when I'm in the world, I always need more. I never have enough. I need more and more and more and more. But when I'm with Jesus, I have everything that I need and I never want anything else. And it was encouraging for me to hear people your age tell me that. But I want you to hear that people your age know that that is true. It's not just me on a stage telling you these things. But there are people your age sitting in your seat in this room tonight that told me there's so much more to God than just his forgiveness. He offers fullness of life, satisfaction, peace, a lot of other things that come in knowing him. So what I want you to know is if you've, if you've slipped into this, where you pick and choose the parts of the Bible that you like and you ignore the parts that you don't, that's okay. I mean, it's not okay, but like I get how it's happened to you because that's what the whole world is saying. The whole world is running away from the Bible. And so it makes sense that that would begin to creep into your life. But tonight, once we've talked about it, you have no excuse. You have to run the other direction. And so I'm gonna read one more scripture that tells us what to do instead. Because I'm gonna tell you not to do something, I'm gonna tell you what to do instead. So this comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses three and five. It says, for the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine or good teaching, but according to their own desires, they will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new. And that sounds just like what I know is happening in our world. Our world always wants to hear something new. They wanna hear what they want and they're ready to run away from like the old traditions of Christianity. Verse four, they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside into myths. But as for you, as for you guys, be serious about everything, endure hardship, to the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Those are the things I'm gonna push you to go out of this place with um, because Paul says a time is coming when people, and a time is here for us, where people will turn away from the truth and they will turn into myths. And they will gladly turn into myths. They will say, yes, I put my whole life on this thing that's not true. And they'll try to pull you along with them. Paul says a time is coming where that is gonna happen. But as for you, he says, number one, be serious about everything. Be serious about your faith. Be so serious about it, more serious about it than, you're, than you are serious about anything else. Be serious about it enough to where if somebody next to you is beginning to run the wrong direction, you're serious enough about your faith and theirs to call them out and say, hey, I think you are starting to build a Bible. I think you're starting to believe the things you wanna believe and not the things you don't. And we're not gonna do that because I'm serious about what's true. The next thing Paul says is endure hardship. Endure when it's hard. It's not gonna get any cooler to be a Christian. I hope it does, but it probably won't. It's gonna get harder. It's gonna get more difficult to believe what you believe and be who you are and so endure. And that's why you have each other. But even if you didn't, it's your job to endure the hardship that it is to believe what you believe because it is the truth even if you're the only one around you who believes it. And then the last two things he says are, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. That means do what he asked you to do. Be serious about it, endure what it's hard, and then really all that matters about the rest of your life is that you do the work that he called you to do, which is help other people realize the truth, help other people realize where they're wrong. So I've spent uh, this whole time tonight talking about how to not ignore the truth, how to not slip away from the truth, but I have to finish with telling you what the truth is. If you don't know it, if you've never heard the truth, I have to tell you what it is because it's the most important. So the truth is 
that none of us are perfect and I don't think you would disagree with me, that we have messed up and we've messed up a lot and way more times than we would want to admit, um, that we don't know what's best for us, that we really aren't the best people to be in charge of our lives because every time I'm in charge of my life, it goes wrong. But there's the good news, but God loved you enough to come anyways. God loved you enough to come and die in your place because you're the one that messed up and I'm the one that messed up to separate our relationship and say, God, I know what's better, so I'm gonna do my own thing. I'm gonna pick these things I wanna believe and get rid of the things I don't. I'm gonna live my life like you're real in this area, but live my life like you're not real in this area. And then God said, well, I love you enough to fix you messing that up. So Jesus came and he died as a human, the death that you deserve. But then the awesome news is that he rose again so that you guys could have a relationship. Because if somebody died for you, I would wanna thank them and I would wanna be their best friend for the rest of my life because I owe it to them. And so because God loved you so much, he came and he died in your place and then he rose again so that for the rest of your life, you could walk with him and you could walk with him in charge of your life because it's probably not going so great for you to be in charge of your own life. And so that's why we're here. Uh, that's why we do this and so that people can know and experience that truth. And